and another Beefsgiving special to you all. And today we are going to give you the story of the very first Beefsgiving. The fairy, berry, berry fairy first. Berry fairy. The, the berry, berry fairy. fairy uh, the, the fairy. Very large part in yes. the history of Beefsgiving. The berry fairy came down in 19... 19- 43. Yes, the first Beefsgiving was 1943, and the Berry Fairy came down to Earth and landed. Or Diddy was known as Dua. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> landed upon this blue and green rock we called Earth. And as she took a step forward, she seen a round, almost oval object, white in color. As she went up to examine it, she heard a noise and a rumbling and it began to shake and it began to crack and out came a beak and ate the berry fairy. And so ends the berry fairy's plot in this story. That beak <laughs> came from none other than the gobbling goober that you see on the left hand of your screen right there before you. Yes, that is the creator of Beef's Giving. The Goblin Goober awoke from a shelled life. Some would say sheltered too much by its parents and wanted to see the earth as had never been seen before. And as this Goblin Goober strode along, it came upon a village. And in this village, folks were gathering around and getting ready for a ceremony of sorts. And as the ceremony commenced... They were turning pumpkins into pies and yams into candied. But most of all, this goblin goober noticed that they were turning turkeys into dead. Well, this goblin goober wanted none of this and he ran afoul and took off into the wooded lands. And in the wooded lands, he met a pink unicorn frog named the Goobledy Gawker. And the Goobledy Gawker was watching as a Gawker does. And voyeuristically noticed the slaughtering of millions and millions of turkeys. And although the Goobledy Gawker was getting very hungry and wanted to eat these turkeys, the Goblin Goober talked to the Goobledy Gawker and they came up with a plan. A plan to put an end to the innocent slaughter of millions of the goober's kind. So they went to the local prosthetics shop and bought fake glasses with big noses and mustaches and walked right in to the villager's village. Unbeknownst to these people, there were two creatures walking amongst them. And as the creatures went forward, they spread what would soon be called the avian flu. Yes, the avian flu, folks. They tainted every last turkey with a Chinese virus from bad wonton soup. They fed them all expired wonton soup. All of the turkeys went bad, and the villagers were forced to slaughter the rest of the cows of the land, to feed them in their bounty. They gave thanks to the beef 
and henceforward called this day Beefsgiving! Yes! And so is the tale of the first Beefsgiving. That's some interesting beer you got there, Fat Mac. Oh, it's my favorite holiday tale. Yeah, when my parents used to tell me that as a wee lad. I mean, we still we still hang up the the gobbling goober and the goobly gawker on our tree at Christmas time, and and we and we uh, sacrifice the firstborn female to them every every Thanksgiving, um, the day after Thanksgiving. What do you call the day after? The post? Post Thanksgiving? The Thanksgiving post? I thought there was a name uh, for the day after something, and I can't think of what it is. Thanksgiving now. post sounds like a newsletter you get once a year. <laughs> the Thanksgiving post, right? <laughs> it does. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. But that's okay. Thanks, Gaftermath. Uh, <laughs> The Gaftermath. How was your uh, thanks, Gaftermath, there, pasty boy? Well, I didn't bring home much for leftovers from my family's house. So I've been eating some sweet potato pie and some pumpkin pie and some apple pie. But no turkey. Because we can't eat the turkey on Thanksgiving. No. No, not on Beefsgiving. It's sacrilegious. People have been canonized for that. And by that I mean they were shot out of cannons into the sun. <laughs> not the canonized that the Catholics do. Them Catholics can turn anything negative into a positive. You're going to die. You'll have eternal life. You're going to be canonized. We're going to honor you. You're going to get molested. The priest likes your work. They just know how to turn anything negative into a positive. You gotta give them credit for that. They are a positive son of a bitch. What other what other kind of religion lets you wear your own anal beads around your neck? There's not many. <laughs> There's not many religions that it's okay to wear anal beads around your neck. The Catholics got it, though. That is great, because on the Black Friday sale on the PlayStation Network, they had the new South Park, the Fractured Butthole, on sale. And it came with the first game, which I've already owned, but I don't have it on the PS4, so I'd never play it. So I figured, double score, picked it up. When you fight the Catholic priests, as I'm sure you've seen, because I think it's in commercials and everything, the one Catholic priest does pull his rosary from his ass. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) My son has watched all the boss fights from the Fractured Butthole. I haven't seen anything of the Fractured Butthole, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Very good things. It sounds like it's It's even better than Stick of Truth. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be longer, which is great, because that was my biggest issue. And they never released any DLC for it. Granted, I'm one that kind of scoffs at paying more for a game. But when a game was that short, and I was like, I don't know, I was waiting for it, and it never happened. Yeah. This game will be getting DLC in 2018. So, and they bring cool. they actually uh carry over some some villains from the Stick of Truth into the Fractured Butthole. Little spoiler there for you. 
I won't say who, Ooh. but they do. <laughs> but they do. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pleased with it. It was worth getting. That's good. And not paying sixty dollars for. Right. I uh, <coughs> I was kind of a day late, but I got all my Christmas lights up today, so I'm 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 Christmased out finally. Should have been done yesterday or the day before, but I got it today. As uh, hopefully you folks can see, I got I got Christmas lights here in the in the studio, and I got Christmas lights a, a, around my house. Now I don't know where I was, how, where I was at before. Let's just go with that. Let's just go with that. Let's go. Let's get you. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, got Christmas lights around, and finally got my Halloween stuff down. See, I'm not a middleman. I don't really, uh, I don't do anything for Thanksgiving as far as decorations. I keep my Halloween decorations out until Thanksgiving, and then Thanksgiving, I take my Halloween decorations down and put my Christmas decorations up. <laughs> then I keep my Christmas decorations up at least until usually January 2nd, because you're usually hungover on January 1st, and you don't really do anything, let alone take down Christmas shit. Right. So that was good. I got that done today. I had my uh, my nieces and nephew and son help me with everything. So it was kind of a nice little family bonding time. There you go. They brought we still their... have to purchase a new Christmas tree. I chucked mine out last year. Right. You got to do it every couple years, even even when you buy the fake ones. They only last three years with lights. <laughs> And if you, you want to, you keep a real tree for a couple of years. No, no, a real tree you can only do one year. <laughs> well, you said even with the fake ones. That's like, what I'm saying. Even with the fake ones, of they course can't... you're gonna keep. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is even with the fake ones, you can't keep them forever. I mean, people will buy a fake one, like yes, I bought a fake one. I never have to buy one again. No, they only last like three years with the lights. If you don't buy them with the lights, you could they can last longer than that. But even then, they get old after a while. You put them down, take them up, put them down, take them up. Um, the smart thing to do is what I used to do back when uh, we had a big house and I lived with my parents. Is we actually had a cr- uh, tree that we left up all year round and we just bought uh, ornaments for different seasons. And we decorated it for each season. <laughs> because it's much easier to redecorate it every three months than to take it down and put it back up once a year. <laughs> Especially depending, because like, we had an attic, so we'd have to take the Christmas tree down bring it upstairs, then bring it upstairs again to the attic, put it away, then go all the way up to the attic, bring it down, bring it all the way downstairs, set it up, decorate it. It was just a lot of work. It's like, you know what? Just decorate it for each season. <laughs> just cut a hole in the floor and plant a tree there. <laughs> right? That would work. For for some years. There's actually, um, there's some houses that have trees built in the middle of them. I always find that odd. But, you know, you gotta be an eccentric rich person to own that. Or an extremely poor person. It's one or the other. (laughs) There's no mediocre people living with a fucking tree in the middle of Either you planned for that tree to be there and paid for it, or you built your house around the tree. Exactly. It's one or the other. It started poking up through the floorboards, and you couldn't fucking afford some. Sorry, guy, shit. it's not a treehouse if it's on the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yes. So I'm looking forward to this. We held off doing our uh, NXT War Games. I was going to watch it one more time before we got to do it, and I, and I haven't watched it a second time, so I feel bad. Same here. Because I think Same. I could have done it more justice, but I think we'll still do it justice. I think there's still a lot to talk about. I think there's uh, a good enough to talk about to, to get us a, an hour out of this. Um, first of all, what was your overall... What was your overall feeling of the whole thing? Compared to all the other war game or all the other takeovers, I guess I should say that we've uh, that we've seen. Well, I had the distinct advantage of not watching it the night of, and then you telling me that most of it was meh. meh. So I went and watched the matches that made it worth watching, and the three I watched were really fucking good. And to be fair, out of five, you still watched over fifty percent of that show, especially with war games being about forty-five minutes to an hour long. You easily watched over 50% of the show. Right. So, um, assuming that I'm right that the other two matches are worth skipping, let's let's just give them a... Let's give them a, a solid... Let's just give them a two down the board. Let's say they were a two. We're just throwing that out okay. there. That's just me making that up, but I'm just giving it a number. Out of five, we'll say they're a two. You watched the other three. Where do you put this War Games at a whole? Like, how did you feel about it? If you assumed the other two were a two, they were like, meh, I watched them. I wasn't horribly disappointed, but they existed. And now I watched these three, and now it's all over. I feel war NXT War Games was... It was... Middle of the road, probably, with the matches I didn't watch in, in accountants. I mean, if 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 I'm just basing it off of the three matches I did watch, it was amazing. Right. So. So why don't you did, did, we'll did, you, say did you say which ones above average? Did you say which ones you watched? I don't remember. Did you let the, the no? I did home know no. which one. I watched, know which uh, ones you watched. Alistair Alistair Black versus Velveteen Dream. The second half, because I was kind of fast-forwarding two war games, and I'm like, oh, shit, my boy CN. So I watched the second half of the uh, NXT Championship match, and then I watched the war games match, of course, because why else would I be watching the pay-per-view? Got a pay-per-view called War Games. Might as well watch the war games match. Yeah, I would say probably of of this year. It's hard to say. I I part of me says this is maybe the weakest of the entire year. But that being said, this this the the two main events were probably better than any main events we had this whole year. So I'd maybe go yeah. with you as middle of the it's road. Tough. Maybe this is middle of the road cuz the, the 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 matches that Cuz I'm just going to say like the Takeovers this year in general have been fairly lackluster. They've been down, yeah. I would agree. I'd say last year, or 2015, none of these pay-per-views can stack up to them. Probably not, no. Not as a whole. Not all the way down the card. Brooklyn 2, those were great. Uh, what What's going on this year is... I mean, they're in a transition period. WWE keeps taking all their top guys and... 
rightfully so. But, yeah, I don't know. War Games, I think, probably made up for the pay-per-view. So I'll out of 10, I'll say it's probably a good 5. Well, we'll give it a, like a 5.7. Yeah. Because um, War Games itself made me like people I didn't like before. So that's that's great. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with what you what you say in there. Um, and I think we got enough time. We can start at the bottom of the card and move up because I think we'll have plenty of time. I don't think we have a lot to say about some other things, um, especially with I guess two of them. I'm going to probably do most of the talking. So we'll go with the first match was Lars Sullivan and he defeated uh, Cassius Ono. You and I both picked Lars Sullivan. They've been pushing him. Uh, this was actually one of the better outings, I think, of him. I enjoyed this match more than I probably enjoyed any other Lars Sullivan match. And on the other side, as far as Cassius Ono goes, this is one of the weaker matches, I think, for Cassius Ono. I don't, I don't know if WWE knows what they're doing with Cassius Ono, or if WWE does know what they're doing with him, and they're just, um, he's just going to put people over. If he's just too... If he's at a point in his career where they don't really see themselves pushing him and just using him to put other people over is what is what I see at this point. Um, but I could have easily skipped this match and not... It wouldn't have bothered me none at all. I didn't need to see it. It didn't bother me any. Lars impressed me, like I said, more than he has in the past, but in, in the ring, he's awesome, and he just he doesn't have the... He's not even awesome. He's really good in the ring. But he doesn't have the charisma. And I don't mean that even just on the mic. I mean, in the ring, he isn't getting me engaged in the story. At least not in anything I've seen yet. So, that's that. I'd I'd honestly give that a 1 out of 5 stars. Uh, The very next match was Aleister Black versus the Velveteen Dream. Aleister Black won this one. He beat the Velveteen Dream. Um, I voted for Aleister Black. You voted for the Velveteen Dream. The story behind this, this is, you know what this is, is Wrestling 101. This burned it down to a very simple story, but it's one that really worked. Velveteen Dream just wanted Aleister Black to acknowledge him. He was like, say my name, Mm -hmm. acknowledge me, look me in the eye. Leading up to this, in the promos leading up to this, Aleister Black wouldn't look Velveteen Dream in the eye, folks. If you don't watch NXT, he wouldn't even look him in the face. He would not acknowledge his existence. And this whole, this whole big, which feels like a big feud, it seems like this is the culmination of a big rivalry, is really (laughs) over the fact that Velveteen Dream just wants to be recognized. What were your thoughts on this match, Pasty? It was pretty intense, and I really liked the way the two opposite characters played together. And God, it was it was in- insane. They put it all out there on both ends, and and the ending was pretty pretty amazing too, with him finally being recognized and yeah. crying on Alistair Black. Yeah, at the very that, end, it, it felt like. Even though this matchup is as far from legitimate as you can get, it felt more legitimate than a lot of matches because of the way they played off of each other. Yeah. And if anybody didn't watch it, at the very end, like I said, Aleister Black won. And it was actually really out of nowhere. I was kind of surprised. I would say that 
if I have any criticism, it's that the ending to me felt kind of flat. But um, Velveteen Dream injured his arm. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of the main event or uh, the the championship match. I'm not thinking of that. Um, God, how did this one end? I don't even remember how it ended right now. But um, at the end, I, I apologize, folks. I really should have rewatched this today. I, I got I got putting my Christmas lights up. I put that up first. I shouldn't have. But Alistair Black beat Velveteen Dream, but he took the mic and he basically said, like, Velveteen Dream, um, you, you, what, I, I don't know what he said, but he said his name and he acknowledged it. Or no, he's like, he's like, there you go, Velveteen Dream, live on in infamy, is what he said. Yes. Basically saying, hey man, I beat you, but you're always going to be remembered after this match. And that's true. I think that's true. If anybody wasn't on the Velveteen Dream train, you don't have to like the guy, but you're definitely going to look forward to his next match now. You're going to be paying attention to when he's on the card. So that was pretty cool for for the culmination of this feud, for him to actually acknowledge And it didn't end in, like, the handshake that you would think it would have. It just, it ended with the acknowledgement and the breakdown and... It was in its own right. It was beautiful. It ended with him sitting on the on the damn mat. Yeah, <laughs> with, with Velveteen Dream basically crying, or yeah, uh, Velveteen Dream yep. basically crying on his. Yeah, basically. Um, which was which kind of um, like earlier in the match, I loved it because Alistair Black went running. Uh, Velveteen Dream was out on the, on the outside of the ring, ringside, if you will, and and Alistair Black, Alistair Black went to, to uh, like he was gonna jump at him. And he ended up doing a springboard like backflip, and he sat down, which he does, and that's kind of a key of his. But then later on, Alistair's on the outside, and Velveteen Dream acted like he was going to attack him, and he did a similar motion, but did it in his own style. He was on the the ring apron, and he flipped back over and then sat down uh, cross-legged, so... I thought that was kind of neat how Velveteen Dream threw that in also. I mean, you could tell they were really, they've really been paying attention to each other, even more so Velveteen Dream than Aleister Black. Like, Velveteen really did his homework going into this match. Yeah, and that's what he needs to do as the rookie, the underdog in the match. It was damn good, though. I, I feel Velveteen Dream could be, I guess they got Braun Strowman. So Braun Strowman and Velveteen Dream could be the two guys that WWE actually makes. The question is, how does Velveteen um, transfer to the main roster? How does he work up on the main roster? Does he, you know? Does his character mesh and meld into the main roster or not? Because Velveteen Dream is not an indie darling like a lot of us are used to. Not like Aleister Black. Aleister Black has spent years... And like uh, in chain, insane championship wrestling, ICW over in uh, over in England and throughout the European circuit. Um, he was uh, Tommy uh, Tommy Young, not Tommy Young. Tommy, uh, I can't think of him. All I can think of is Tommy Young. <laughs> Tommy Young, reach up and give me a hand job. Tommy Young. <laughs> Oh, everybody go over to LoisRules.com and go buy a Tommy Young shirt and say Fat Max sent you. 
That's LoisRules.com. Buy a Tommy Young shirt. Uh, I can't think of his name. Tommy End! There you go. <laughs> Over it, uh, and he wrestled in, in, in Europe for a long time. And so many guys that are NXT alumni, as your Seth Rollins, your Dean Ambrose, um, AJ Styles, who I know isn't an NXT guy, but I mean, anybody who's big right now, your Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, WWE didn't make them. You know, they're leasing them out right now. But Velveteen Dream, if they can make him work, I mean, he is a WWE guy. As far as I know, all he's done is worked in the performance studio. He's only been an NXT guy. Um, if he has done stuff outside of it, it's very minor. And I think this match shows he can hang with people. He can maybe, I mean, and it might just yeah. be if you give him the right guy, but that's okay. That's how it starts. Give him the right guy for a while. I mean, I, I see nothing but good things from him. And I think, I think I've heard rumors and whisperings uh, around the interwebs that Batista's pondering a return. Yes, sir. I've heard that also. And if you put Velveteen Dream up against somebody like Batista, who's an icon, who could be defeated, Batista would be the big buff guy who's kind of homophobic and doesn't really get the gimmick and it pisses him off. Right. And I think that could help to launch Velveteen Dream. Actually, you wouldn't get it with Cena. You might get it with Orton. Brock Lesnar would destroy Velveteen yeah, Dream, and it wouldn't be happening. wouldn't have a point. So somebody like Batista, or even Triple H, if Triple H is still like doing things around. Triple H is not jobbing to Velveteen Dream. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> we, but we, I think you got to push him hard right away against people who who characteristically could be slightly homophobic. Uh, the Miz could even be a good starter for him right um on a on a facebook page that you and i are both on uh i believe it was called to kayfabe it was on somebody had posted something about who in the current roster could do the nature boy justice the nature boy gimmick and i know you had posted on there bobby rude which makes a lot of sense um, I had put on there, I was like, hey, why not twist it into a homosexual deal? We've never had a homosexual nature boy. I think Velveteen Dream could have could be that guy. He could do that. Now, that being said, don't take me wrong, I don't want them to stick Velveteen Dream with the nature boy gimmick. But I think short term he could rock the nature boy gimmick and do it in a homosexual way. And I think it'd be neat to see a homosexual take on the nature boy gimmick. Because not all playboys have to be womanizing. Some can be menizing. 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 <laughs> you know, I think that would be neat. And I think he could do it. I think he has the I think he has the charisma. If there's one thing this kid has, it's charisma. He might have nothing oh, yeah. else. He has charisma. He oozes it. That's great. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to see where he goes from here. I am also. I don't know how it's going to translate on the main roster, as I said. I could. I can easily see him becoming a uh, Tyler Breeze or an Ascension. Easily. And I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, His character would have to be too good. You know, for, maybe, for, uh, maybe he ends up being a 205 Live guy. I don't want him to, but maybe. 
Only time will tell. Only time will tell. And he's got, you know what, and I'm fine with him spending two more years down in NXT. Or more. I mean, he can hang out down in NXT. He's young. He's got plenty of time to hone his craft in NXT. He has plenty of time to face all the indie guys that come through and learn more and more from them. If he can absorb them like a sponge, this guy could end up being great by the time he comes up to the main roster. You don't have to push him right away. Uh, The next match we had was the NXT Women's Championship Fatal 4-Way match. Ember Moon finally... Finally, she grabbed onto the gold by beating Nikki Cross, Peyton Royce. Why do I got Nikki Cross on your twice? Did I do that or did you do that? <laughs> you did it. Um, I'm trying to think who the who the fourth woman was. I did not put them on there because that's on the end also. That got changed. Oh, I really should have rewatched this. It was uh, Peyton Royce, Nikki Cross, Ember Moon, and... Oh, and Kyrie Sane. Yeah. I don't know how Nikki Cross got in there twice. <laughs> Man, I was out of it when I was making this up. Apparently. Um, really good match. It was a very good match. Ember Moon ended up winning it. When she did a eclipse after, onto um off onto uh, Nikki Cross and Peyton Royce and pinned Nikki Cross to get the win. Um, they protected Kyrie Sane in here. She had a lot of good momentum. Actually, I think they did a good job of making all the women look pretty decent in this one. I just don't think any one woman looked super strong throughout the whole thing, and I think. I think they could have done better at that. I think that they, I don't know if all the women held back or what it was, but it was, it was a good match. Very good. And they all looked good, but not a one of them looked, I thought great. Like they could have with Ember Moon hitting that uh, eclipse on both cross and Peyton Royce. That was actually really beautiful. And uh, I think it's great for for Ember Moon to get the gold. She's been chasing it uh, forever, it seems like, at least a year. Asuka had it, and Asuka wasn't going to drop it to nobody. She's the HBIC, despite what they want to show you up on the main roster. Um, So it was good to see her get it. They protected Kairi Sane. Kairi Sane didn't take the pinfall here. In fact, she's the only one who didn't get hit by the finisher here. So that was kind of cool. That was that was a good thing, and I and I see an Ember Moon Kyrie Sane feud stemming from this. That's what I see going forward is Ember Moon Kyrie Sane. Um, the good thing with all these women getting uh, called up to both SmackDown and Raw is that we're probably going to see some more women get brought into NXT, and they could definitely use a shakeup at this point. And there's a lot of women from the May Young Classic that are going to come in and shake shit up. I know you didn't watch this, Pacey, but do you have anything to say on it? Um, have you read anything, heard anything? Um, oh, I heard that everyone won, and I wasn't surprised. I mean, I know I picked Cross, but... Which, and that wouldn't have surprised me either. 
Um, I think, actually, I think the bigger surprise out of the week was I think a lot of people were surprised Nikki Cross wasn't one of the women that got called up. But yeah. at the same time, I can see them trying to keep her with uh, Sanity. Oh, so, yeah, call her up when Sanity gets called up. Yeah. Especially after what's about to transpire a little later in the evening. Yeah, we got a lot to, I think but. we got a lot to say about Sanity. So I don't know that I have anything more to say about this. It's a good match. Um, Pasty, I mean, if you get a chance to go back and rewatch some of this, I, I, I would recommend you rewatch the NXT women's title match. I don't think you missed anything I'll probably rewatch by missing the entire it. pay-per-view. Yeah, I don't think you missed anything from missing it, but I do think it's a good match. And, um, and it's always, in this day and age, if you can find good women's matches to show women who are not wrestling fans, I always love that. And this would be a good one, I think. I think this the, this represents a lot of different kind of women, different uh, physically. They they look different. Uh, the way they wrestle, they have different wrestling styles. I think that's always good to show women because women's wrestling has such a black eye. I was listening to a podcast with some of the ladies from the Glow Show, uh, the the NXT show Glow. And when they were talking, they were uh, Chavo Guerrero was on there also, and he was talking about how his uncle Mondo trained the original ones, and he was debating back and forth on whether he should do it because he said back then women's wrestling was just seen as kind of a gimmick, and, and they'd only have like one wrestling match per show, and it, that the women were on. And one of the women that's on Glow, she was like, "Yeah," as opposed to today where they have two matches. And I was just like, wow, like that really hit me like, wow, like, yeah, pe- people still realize today that women's wrestling is seen as kind of a, a gimmick and a joke. And it's because she's right. She's right. Like that was back in the 70s, 80s. And since the 70s, 80s, it hasn't really gotten any better. They have one more match on the card now than they used to. That's sad. You give if, I'm telling you, if you give the women their own show it'll get watched more than 205 live i agree with that but i i think that separates and then just them have even the more. champions and their challengers on the main roster shows see but i think that, you know that I mean? separates them even more that kind of makes them seem like even less deserving if they want to do something have a raw where the whole raw show is women's matches except for one men's match in the middle it's not gonna hurt anything it's not going to hurt. Yeah, but then they'd have that 50-50 for the rest of the time. They'd have to what? They'd have to book that like that for the rest of the time. Why? You start there. That's because? a place to start. The next week, you can have just one match or two matches. And then the following week, just then... one or two matches of men's matches. Exactly. And then the week after that. And matches. then sooner or later, it's, like it's four and four. And you have four women's matches and four men's matches. And going on after that, it's whatever the storyline dictates. If you have bigger and more important storylines for the women, you have more women's matches. If you have bigger and more important storyline for the men, you have more men's matches. Instead of looking at it as when men or women's, just look at it as a wrestling match. Don't say, okay... We have a woman's match we need to get in here. Say, we have these storylines and these stories that need to get told. So that's why this week these people are going to be on the show. You know what I mean? Dictate it by storyline. And give them good storylines. What does it hurt? 
It increases ratings. I guarantee you it increases ratings. If nothing else, then because it's different. At least to start <laughs> out with. Funny that you're talking about that too, and equality and not looking at them as men and women. Uh, because I was just scrolling through the Book of Faces, and I scrolled past a kayfabe news headline, which is fake news in the best way. Right. Progressive WWE ends gender discrimination. Strowman Bailey set for WrestleMania. Why not? Why couldn't you do Strowman <laughs> Bailey for WrestleMania? Because she would die. No more than anyone else against Strowman, though. Does look at Bailey and look at Miz. Does Miz have a better chance of beating Strowman than Bailey? Does <laughs> no. I don't see Miz and Bailey as evenly matched though. Well, I know Bailey would whoop Miz's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Maurice was there. Unless Maurice was there. But that's what I'm saying. I, it's not going to happen, and I know. But, you know, I look at things like Shimmer. I love Shimmer. And I, I have to go and, like, download Shimmer or, or upload or, or record Shimmer or shit like that to watch it because I don't have a place to watch it. But Shimmer is an hour, is a two-hour-long women's show. They only have about six shows per year or so, so you don't get as much as them. But damned if their yeah. matches and their storylines ain't every bit as good as any of the other indies or as WWE. I love it. It's just, I, I mean, I, I get it, and it's, I get it, and it's not going to happen. My point is just it, sh- it, it could be a little more even than it is. When you have three hours of Raw and you give the women ten minutes total, it's kind of rough. It just seems a little rough, especially when we get matches or, or people that nobody wants to see, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right. Um, we had the NXT championship match. Andrade Cien almost won the title from Drew McIntyre. Basically, you seen this coming. I did not. And from what I've read on the web, I don't think most people expected Drew to lose it this soon. But I'm not disappointed in how it happened, and I thought it was a really amazing match. Yeah. I Like I said, I only caught the, like, the second half. But it was pretty great. I think this is the best title match of NXT this year. Hands down. Yeah. And, and finally, a man with a female manager... And the female ant manager actually gets her hands dirty with that spike Rana. That right? was pretty great to see. That was. Yeah, she's like she's like this year this um she's this era's sensational Sherry. Like she's a woman and she's a I mean you could call her a valet. I call her a manager. I don't call her a valet, I call her a manager. And she's a badass manager. An escort? <laughs> <laughs> she's a badass manager. She'll get her hands dirty. Um, this is the match where I was saying Drew McIntyre got injured. At the very end there, they went up to do a um, what what ended up being a, a DDT spotish from the top rope. And what happened was Drew McIntyre was sitting up there, and uh, Andrade Cien almost was reversing a move, and he ended up hitting the the like the uh, tornado DDT on him. But it almost looks like. Drew McIntyre was either holding on longer than he should have or or tried to move his arm to try to get set up when Andrade started to go. Anyway, he ended up tearing some ligaments, and he's going to be out for a while, it looks like. 
which is sad. Uh, Drew McIntyre is a hell of a talent. Yeah, I said so too, right, when I was watching it. Like, holy shit, that probably really hurt him. I didn't catch any news about it afterwards, but holy shit. That, uh, the end came out of nowhere, but it sounds like that was the planned end, and it was kind of, they were, it sounds like that, that everything went as scheduled, so that wasn't why it came out of nowhere, that's just kind of how they did it, because this big-ass, long-ass match they had going back and forth and back and forth, Andrade kind of picks it up out of nowhere, which really surprised me. Um, he did hit his, um... His hammerlock DDT. Thank you for helping me, Pasty. <laughs> he hit his hammerlock DDT and uh, and just got it right away, which kind of came out of nowhere. But it was cool. And you know what? I was talking to my son, and let's bring this up, shall we? There are, what, four people finally using uh, the DDT as a finisher now? You have yeah. Andrade Cien Almas has the hammerlock DDT. Drew McIntyre uses a spike DDT. Alexa Bliss uses a spike DDT. And uh, Dean Ambrose's Dirty Deeds is a double under heart, heart, a double under hook DDT. Doesn't Bobby Roode use a DDT? Uh, Bobby well? Roode has the glorious DDT. So for all these years that, you know, when we first, well, maybe not so much pasty, but especially me growing up, DDT was a end move. When you got hit by the DDT, you were done. And from the 90s into the 2010s, it kind of just turned into a transition move where people would do right. multiple DDTs. But in now a match. the super kick is a transition move. And it's, yeah, yeah, now the super <laughs> kick's a transition move, which makes way more sense than a DDT. A super kick is just a kick, mm. they just slap their thigh a little harder when they do it. <laughs> I mean, there is no such thing as a super kick, it is just a kick. Where a DDT right. is you literally slamming somebody <laughs> down on their head and compacting their spinal column. <laughs> so it's cool to see that the DDT is once again being used as a real ending move. I love it. I was talking to my son about that. I was like, you know, it never used to be. And it's when you look at it shoot wise, like not kayfabe, but if you look at it shoot, like moves that you could do in real life, DDT is going to fuck somebody up pretty bad. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of moves that aren't going to do a whole lot. Clothesline from hell is not going to do much to somebody. DDT is on the same uh, on the same level as the Tombstone Piledriver by far. Right? Right? And I saw, and I saw, and folks, there's a video up on Beefstick's uh, Facebook page. It's a little while down because it's been a while since I put it up there. But there was a drunk brawl. And these guys, this one dude ended up hitting the Tombstone Piledriver on the one guy's girlfriend. And the bitch popped right up like it was nothing. I couldn't believe it. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and it's on it's on the tar. It's in the middle of a, uh, they're in the parking lot. This guy grabs the broad and ends up just tombstoning her head first in the fucking parking lot. I can't believe she just oh, jumps you end up. up tombstoning someone. That because was premeditated. She... <laughs> Actually, it doesn't it, just it, if you watch it, it actually makes sense how it just happens because she's kind of coming at him and he's more trying to hold her and stop her and she's got her head down and she's attacking. So he grabs her and so of course he grabs her underneath because she has her head down and to stop her from trying to push him or getting momentum, he pulls her up and he ends up pulling her up and he has her held there and she's still kicking and screaming. So I guess instead of dropping her, he's like, fuck you, bitch. Boom! <laughs> just... And I just can't believe I would have went for the power right bomb up. at that. 
All the way to the power bomb. Right? Power bomb the cunt. It's funny. Oh, good. Very good match. Like I said, if I, I'd have to go back and watch, or at least look, at least read what all the championship matches were this year. But this one's in the top three of NXT championship matches this year, if not the best. Yeah. Um, I love Bobby Roode, but man, his string of championship matches were just kind of lacking to what they should have been. Uh, we all know what Bobby Roode can do, and he just didn't. Ha- I, I feel like most of the times I watched a match with him, it was just like. Good, but should have been better. Good, but should have been better. Maybe because I expect less out of Cien and McIntyre. I don't know. But these ones just felt more satisfying to me. Personally. That was my feelings. And then we came to the Coupe de Gracie. That is how you say that, right? Pasty Coupe de Gracie? I'm I'm reading it right now. That's how I've always said it. I'm reading it phonetically. That's how you say that word, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) We had um, what NXT and or WWE is calling the War Games match. Now, before I get to uh, sucking the balls of the dead, because I loved this match, this was not, to me, in any way a War Games match. Not what I watched as a kid. Um, So I'm going to put that out there right now. To me, this was not a War Games match. But, that being said, holy fuck, was this not an awesome match. And this has to be in the discussion for the best matches of 2017 in WWE. Has to be in discussion. I'm not saying it takes the cake. It has to be in discussion. So the rules were a little wonky. Um, They had the three teams, and one person from each team went in there. Now, in the past, it would have been two teams, a, a face team and a heel team. And going into this, I guess Author of Pains are kind of the face, but kind of seemed like three heel teams, if you ask me. Yeah, that's what I felt like, and then Johnny Gargano. Yeah. Or not, you mean uh, Roderick Strong? No. Yeah, whatever. Same person. No. It's like Dean Coots <laughs> and Stephen King. Same Johnny person. Gargano is an awesome wrestler. Roderick Strong is mid of the road. <laughs> but, um, so you had one of each in there, and then um, they didn't do a coin toss like you used to do. What they ended up doing was similar to what they do in the uh, elimination chamber, where a random spotlight will light up the uh, the shirt. The other two, well, I should say, the other two contestants for each team. There's three teams of three. One of each of the teams starts in the match. After two minutes, um, one of the other team who's are two, the other two t- remaining of a team. See, it's really hard to even explain. It's so complicated. <laughs> Let me start over. So there's a team of Undisputed Era, okay? So we have Red Dragon and Adam Cole. Then there was a team of Author of Pain and Roderick Strong. Then there was a team of Sanity, which was Eric Young, Killian, Death Ray, and uh, and Alexander Wolfe. So to start out... Um, to start out, I just want to point out... <laughs> When Roderick Strong came out in the fucking attire 
of the Authors of Pain. Yep. It ruined their costume for me forever. <laughs> they didn't look so badass anymore, because he definitely didn't look badass. So we had... No, he didn't. So we had Roderick Strong went in for his team. Uh, who started for the other teams? Eric Young, wasn't it? It was the leaders of every team. Eric Young Adam and Cole. Adam Cole, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they Which was started. Great. I was super happy to see that, because I kind of expected those guys to, you know, be in be last, last or whatever. right? So, yeah. with those three in the ring, we had the Authors of Pain in one shark cage. We had Red Dragon in another shark cage. And we had um, Death Ray Murder Child and Alexander Wolf in another shark cage. Now, after two minutes, one of those shark cages open, but both guys come out. Both other teammates come out, which is kind of weird, I thought. But I, my guess is they did that for time. But... It's an NXT TakeOver. It's your WWE Network. Why not go an extra half hour and just have one? But that's okay. Whatever. I thought well, it was weird that both come out. start until everybody's in the ring. I think well, it kind of that's how War Games sense. always went, but there was, there was Plus, five guys. Plus, you get the advantage. Well, but you still get the advantage even if one of each team, if one came out. Right? Because you'd have two on. Yeah. yeah. You know, in the past, what it would be was there'd be two teams of five. Two people would start, and every two minutes, one other person would come in. And you'd go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until everybody was in the ring. And then the first uh, pinfall or submission would be the end. Another weird rule they had here was if anybody left the ring, their entire team is eliminated. Which is weird. I I mean, I guess it kind of makes makes sense. sense, But you'd think if nothing else just... But why not a 10 count, like normal? Like, if you're out for 10. So that kind of, to me, was weird. I've never heard of a... I've never heard of a match where when you get out, you lose. I've heard of one where you get out, you win. Never had heard right. of one that when you get out, you lose. Which made it even weirder when one of the authors of Pain... We have heard of a cage match where if you get out, you win, but your partner has to get out, and if you go back in, you're <laughs> back you're in the match. you're legal again. Oh my gosh, I <laughs> forgot about that, Pacey. Why'd you remind me? That was awful. So then we had a spot where one of the authors of pain spent five minutes trying to lock the door and not succeeding. Which no. okay, first of all, why didn't they have a ref there? The to referee do it? does it in every other cage match. He could do it in this one. Number two, he swallowed the key, which again weird. But if when you leave, you're eliminated. Why do you even need a lock on the door? No, the others of pain did not swallow the key. That wasn't until the rest of Sanity came in at the end. Well, somebody swallowed And the he brought his own key. chain and locked the door with his own chain. He locked so, it with beyond the, the hinge lock that was on so the cage. So what's the That's point of doing scenarios. that? So if you, leave the, if you leave the fucking cage, you lose anyway. So one, nobody's going to leave the cage. We already know that. Well, it's because they all want to kill each other. And at some point, somebody's going to be like, I don't want to be killed anymore. Let okay, me out so two, here. don't you want to allow your other opponent to leave? And then it's just like, well, I don't have to worry about them. Now I just have one team to beat up. Like, it just, none of it made sense. None of it made fucking sense. Well, that's sense. the case. They should have ripped the door off the cage and then just chucked people out when they were at their weakest. They like, could've... oh, your whole team's eliminated. Yeah, the whole leaving... I mean, don't get me wrong. Inside the ring, I loved every moment of it. But their their weird rules hurt yeah. my brain. I did not like it at all. It, 
You know, and if you just... The rules didn't bother me at all. I understand this is WWE's first time trying to wrap their heads up on war games, though. No, I didn't. So it wouldn't bother you. It bothered me. It hurt my head. (laughs) Uh, But that being said, then, um, so so instead of flipping a coin to see who would go next, because there's three people and you don't have a three-sided coin, so that makes sense to me. They had the random spotlight like you would do in a uh, elimination chamber. And so wherever the spotlight shined would be the person who gets to go out. So the first time that somebody could come out, the spotlight shined, and it shined on Sanity. So Sanity got to... Or Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era. You're right. It shined on Undisputed Era. So, um, So Red Dragon got to come out. Which I guess they're the most heel of all the heels in there, so that makes sense to me, because you always want your heels to have the advantage. So that did make sense to me. But then the second time, the spotlight shone on Sanity, but they let the Authors of Pain out. (laughs) And then as the ref started letting the Authors of Pain out, the fucking spotlight guy shut the Sanity spotlight off and turned on the Authors of Pain spotlight. So they ruined their (laughs) own gimmick there. So it wasn't even random. They knew who they were doing. So they kind of screwed up their own gimmick there by somebody not knowing how to handle the spotlights, I guess. Um, but that's, okay, that's my complaints. I'm completely out of complaints. Good. So let's go ahead and talk about the match, Pasty. Fuck, it just, it started so great with the leaders of each team in the ring fighting each other, forging alliances. It was It was good fun. And then when the rest of... The Age of Aggression, no, the Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era, CFO. The the urinary analysis. Red Dragon, basically, when Red Dragon came out. Yeah, they came in, and and, and that's still, it was still cool after that, because, you know, Eric Young and Strong had to work together more. And then when, I thought it was really funny when he couldn't get the door locked. When the, the the authors of pain got in, right? But the match really, and and you know the whole time I'm like, it's not a it's not a legit match yet. It doesn't matter. I mean, people are getting beat up, and that's cool. And you know, you weaken down the guys who've been in there the longest. That's the point. But it wasn't until everybody was in that I was like, fuck yeah! When they started pulling out the the toys from under the ring. And then the crowd changed history just by chanting, we want tables. And so they put tables in the ring that they wouldn't touch for 90% of the match because they didn't know how to incorporate them into something they had already planned out move for move. <laughs> and that even made it even more painfully obvious when fucking, um, yeah, I think it was, it was, I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was um, Death Murder Killboy. Ended up going through the table and busted himself open. Busted the shit out of where There was just a giant pool of blood on that table. And you didn't see him for like another 10 minutes. But when you go back and rewatch it, he's actually rolled over to the side of the cage. And the medics are working on his busted open head through the, through cage, the cage. So that Should have just used the blue cage. Because <laughs> you can't leave the cage. <laughs> or he would have right. forfeited, so he can't get out there. So they were, like, gluing him up and doing whatever they had to do. Um, and then he made a complete recovery and just... Um, there was a lot of blood in this match. 
Oh, yeah. Both um both Murder Death Kill Ray and Alexander Wolf probably impressed me the most out of everybody yes. in this match. I did yeah. not fucking expect that. Those two I expected to be the the ones I, I thought least about. And it wasn't. Oh my god, did I love everything they did. Now what kind of going on what you said, I I do have one more complaint, but it's the same claim, complaint I'd have about all the other war games is it was kind of boring until you got everybody in there. And that, like I said, that's a complaint from the war games from the beginning of time. Is until everybody gets in there, you know nobody's going to win or lose. And the guys, they fight, and they fight good, but they kind of save their energy up for when it's really on. And they should. The people yeah. who are in there from the beginning are in there for, like you said, almost an hour. God bless them. But once everybody was in there, I think it was another half hour or so before they had a finish. Yeah, yeah, it was long as hell, and I was, I was, I was so happy when they brought in weapons. Like that's just gonna make it even more fun. We oh, need yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was great. Um, okay, I lied a Could lot. Garbage can. I, I lied I always... a lot about not complaining anymore. One more complaint I have, which isn't so much a complaint, more of an observation. They, they put a runner in between the two rings. They had a metal runner there. So that there was no hole and you could kind of just walk between the two rings. Which is okay and it's good for safety. I would have loved for them to use it, like hurt somebody with it, but they never really did. But A little bit, but not much. Not too long ago, I was watching War Games I want from... to know why it's necessary to have two sets of ropes in the middle. Why couldn't you just connect the two rings... And uh, have nothing dividing the middle. Physics. The rings wouldn't hold up. They'd fall apart. If you anchored them on the outside somehow. I don't know. And it would be bad for the rest of the show. Did anybody else use the second ring at all during the show? They alternated between each one. Okay. So they would so they so it had um equal wear and tear on each one. Um but I was watching war games, I think ninety two war games. From, from WCW 92 War Games. And it had Steve Austin in there. It had the Four Horsemen. It had uh, Brian Pillman. It had uh, just a who's who, actually. I mean, just just tons. Uh, Greg the, Va- the Hammer Valentine was in it. Tons of people were in there. And twice during that match, they had somebody upside down with their head between the two rings and they were doing stuff to him with the guys straight up and down with their head between the two rings. And I was like, God, that's such clever use of the two rings with there being a hole there. And in the past, they've put people's legs in there and then pulled them and stretched them and done stuff like that. So I kind of feel there's more you can do with a hole between the two rings than with that runner there. Yeah, but if anybody slipped, there could be real injury there and it wouldn't take much. That's true, I see but it's a they... cage match. Fucking suck it up, son. You're a fucking wrestler. This isn't fucking painting with your kids this is a fucking wrestling match if you don't want to fucking go in a in a fucking cage match then don't go in a cage match bitch (laughs) that's how i answer that it shouldn't be about their safety at that point it should be about our entertainment well then it should be streams of fire shooting up from in between the two rings i would love it i would love it i'd be okay with that have a sensor bar every time something crosses that sensor whoosh no um, that, again, that's just a, that's more of something I pointed out. I mean, that's more of an observation 
is that you you know you lost the chance to do something fun like that. I do understand why they do it, and I like it. I'm sure the wrestlers liked it. There was a couple Tower of Doom spots that I thought were really good. At least one. For some reason, I think there was two. Yeah, there was one on each side at the same time. And um, Adam Cole was the only one not involved. Yep, yep. So there was two Tower of Doom spots. I'm always a sucker for a Tower of Doom spot. They look so cheap. Like, they're they're one of the fakest moves you can do in wrestling. But I love them. People of that stature can pull that kind of maneuver off at all. Yeah. And two then, big guys on the corner in, in itself is like, holy shit. Right. And then what really kind of... I don't know what they were doing with Adam Cole. He spent five minutes at least just hanging out on the top of the cage. He climbed up to yeah, the top of the cage. Up, letting everybody else. He inchwormed over, and then he, like, did nothing for like five minutes there. And it's like, do something or, or leave the match. It was very awkward watching him just hang out there. It's like, I don't know. I I feel like somebody somewhere missed a call, whether he did that too early or whether after he came out, somebody said something to the ref, like we need to go longer. Just leave him up there or table. I I don't know. Something just did, that felt really awkward to me. Like that's but felt like a long time he was doing nothing up on the top. But then you had Roderick Strong come up there and superplexed him off the top of the fucking cage, which just looked sick. I was so yeah. worried for him and everybody on the bottom that he landed on. That could have easily went wrong. Easily. But def- it went real. It did. So, so. That was definitely the holy shit moment of the whole fucking night. And then the match ended up ending when um, Eric Young, I believe it was Eric Young, had a um, had a steel chair, and he was getting ready to get up and hit somebody with it. Who knows? There's just there's people everywhere. Everybody else was basically down, so it was probably Adam Cole. But anyways, when he started to get up, Adam Cole came to hit a Shining Wizard on him. And Eric Young put the chair up to block himself. But in doing that, had Adam Cole basically Shining Wizard the chair right into Eric Young's face. And he got the pin one, two, three right there. So I thought it was a really cool ending. I thought the ending made sense. You just had that giant superplex so everybody was down and everybody was out of it. Could have been just a little bit smoother, because the way he picked up the chair, you could totally tell he was trying to get it in front of his face. He should have been struggling to get up in a more jerky fashion, and right. just as he's about to stand up, and the chair is crossing that path, not like he's holding it there on purpose for it to happen, like it happened. I agree. It looked more like him then, holding it up yeah. than blocking it. I feel the but story they were trying good. to tell was he was blocking his face with it. But I agree with you. It looked more like he was just holding it up, getting it ready. Oh, I didn't even mention um, fucking Killian Deathray did a coast to coast. He got yes, on, he did. He got on one turnbuckle. He had was it Eric Young? I think it was Eric I think Young. In so. the other and okay, so the guy's well, bigger, and he, he didn't all the way did it make it to the team. turn, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Was it Roderick Strong? 
Kyle O'Reilly. It was somebody. I, th- I think it was strong. I think it was strong. Might have been Roderick Strong. Now, they didn't have it all the way back to the other corner, so they did give him a little extra room. I'm For as, a guy as big as he is, I don't even give a shit that they did that. Right. That's fine with me. Right. And it gave him a chance to kind of fall backwards into the corner. But yeah, he got a garbage can up. He he snugged it in between the two ropes and he did a coast to coast, a Van Damme or a Van Terminator if you will. Uh from one ring corner to the other. For a dude that size to now, do that. A, that was a insane. A coast to coast across both r- rings would have been way cooler. That do it from the top cool. of the cage all the way to the furthest corner. Or even just springboard from one rope to the other rope and then do a coast to coast. <laughs> even that would be impressive. Uh, not going to happen, but that would have been impressive. All in all, I mean, I think everybody impressed me here. The authors of pain had a string where they, where they were dominating. And I didn't really notice for, again, for two big guys, they didn't seem to get overly or at least noticeably winded. Like, usually they get blown, you know, big guys get blown up pretty quickly, and these guys did not seem oh, yeah. to blow up. They seem to still be going. I just, I, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Honestly. Excellent, man. I'm looking forward to seeing WWE rethinking this war games, looking back at it, analyzing it, and bringing it to the main roster. Well, I have read, and again, I mean, this doesn't mean anything, but I read that it went over so well, they're considering making it a staple for NXT um, TakeOver every Survivor Series. That every Survivor Series, there's a TakeOver War Games, which would be cool also. I'd be okay with yeah. that. But you know, WWE is going to steal it for themselves also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing that probably surprised me is out of everybody in there, I think I was the least impressed with Adam Cole. And maybe that's just because the other guys impressed me as much as they did, and I expected so little out of them. Um, Eric Young also didn't really impress me much, but he's been known to not impress me. He doesn't need to. He's the veteran, you know? It's about all the other guys getting over. Yeah. Actually, I'd be willing to say Roderick, Eric, and Adam Cole impressed me the least. But that being said, they were in there from the beginning, so they were probably the most blown up out of anybody. So that kind of, that would kind of make sense also. Uh, Match of the night, I'm going with Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream. Just, just slightly ahead of War Games. I would have put War Games up there. It's an either-or, honestly, in my opinion, but I'm going to say Alistair Black and yeah. Team Dream. I'm going to say my match of the night is War Games. Yeah. But they were both damn good, and they both made the pay-per-view worth it. They both gave you something extremely different. Those two matches couldn't be more different. <coughs> right. So it's understandable. And uh, you could have went either way. I'd even be okay with somebody saying the, the championship match was their match of the night because that was a very in- incredible match and told a great story also. Um, and the fact that, I, I, I mean, I know you called it, Pasty, but I don't think a lot of people expected Sien to win it right now or even to be the next guy to win it. I think a lot of people expected either Alistair or Adam Cole to win the title from Drew. I don't think many people actually expected Almas to win the title. So, way to shut up the naysayers. 
I like CN, and he needs to win it so he can just be called up and be done with an NXT because he's exhausting the things he can possibly accomplish. And it's, it's good. about time he got it. Because I know not not just a and few Drew, months ago. I guess that, that three-man band can be better than ever. Yeah, they could. Uh, <laughs> not not too many I months really ago. See it, but I really want to see it. But Drew McIntyre is the only one who's good out of the three yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to be the exact same as the original one. I don't think so. I don't see Heath Slater and Jinder Mahal making people excited. They haven't done it yet. <laughs> well, Heath Slater would be the Xavier Woods of the group. The early Xavier Woods, where he was more of a mouthpiece than a wrestler. And there you go. Yeah, that's kind of like putting Roman with the shield. They cheer every time they're together, but when Roman's alone, they boo. You can put Jinder with yeah. 3MB, and they might cheer 3MB, but they're going to boo Jinder nonetheless. Oh, yeah. But that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, they could be like the Shield. They could, you know, get over in that sense. And then we could have a War Games with New Day Shield and Three Man Band. Boom. Beautiful. That would be a War Games. I'll give you that. It's a way to get a War Games there. Well, if they're going to do the, the, the three. I wish they'd try. I, I would wish if WWE brought up to the main roster, they'd try it a five on five. Because they got enough people up there, they can do that. They got a stocked enough roster. There's no reason they just can't have do a your five Survivor on five. Series traditional five on five be a not traditional five on five and have it be a War Games. Yeah. Why then your then your younger guys don't have to get pinned immediately to to you know not get any credit in the match. You exactly. Know what I mean? You can have the young guys start out and, and do the distance because they're the ones that are going to get blown up less. So I tell you what, Shane McMahon ain't lasting an hour. <laughs> That's no, for sure. No, Shane McMahon ain't lasting an hour in that ring. He's going in last. Triple H might last an hour, but you wouldn't see him for a few weeks afterwards. Right. Oh. Shit. Well, what do you All think, I know Christy? is this was a pretty, pretty decent pay-per-view with some amazing matches. I agree. I think it was, it's definitely a worthwhile watch. At two hours, it's easily a worthwhile watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easily. And I'd say if you want to just go and watch just Alistair Black versus Velveteen Dream and War Games, go ahead and do that. Because War Games is long. I, I want you to, to be ready for War Games to be long, because it's long. I, wa- I did it. I watched the first, uh, actually I think I, I watched everything up until War Games the night of, and then I went to sleep, and then after work I watched uh, the War Games match after that. So I, I did watch the War Games separate, so I didn't have the whole two hours either. So maybe that makes a difference, I don't know. Nonetheless, I recommend it. I recommend it more than I do Survivor Series, easily. I don't think there's a single match. Uh, AJ Brock is the only match on Survivor Series I'd actually recommend people go out and watch. And this is the problem. You know, you had NXT War Games. They had this uh, this match with nine people in there. Bloody as hell. It's awesome. You go to the main roster, you have a five-on-five Survivor Series match. Not a single drop of blood. 
And you don't have to have blood, but it just never seemed important. It just never seemed yeah. important. Where war games seemed like right. everybody, it really was important to all of them the whole time. Right. And there was nothing on the line. Yeah, yeah, that's actually that a good point. Important. There was nothing on the line here either. And they made you feel like it was important. That's actually a good point, Pasty. They they hid that fact so well, I'd forgot about that. There was nothing on the line. <laughs> Same with the, like the Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream. There was there really wasn't anything tangible on the line, but Velveteen Dream just wanted to be acknowledged and something that simple when done right actually works. Yeah, I like it. Oh, I think we're good for the evening. That's all I got, man. We told them the the history of the first Beef's Giving, and we got them the Takeover War Games review. Anything else we wanted yeah. to spit out there? I don't think so. I haven't really heard too much in news since. Uh, I have a couple things in news, but I have a feeling it's going to be another slow week, so I'm just going to save it for Thursday. All right, let's do that. Let's all right. get on with it. All right, all right, all right. I'll talk to everybody all right, later. All right, all right. Love you like a lovesick puppy. We'll see you on Thursday or another day. We'll figure that out. One of them days. by Thursday. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> we out.